0: Welcome to the Hughes of Leadership podcast, where we dive deep into the many prominent aspects of leadership. How does leadership show up in each of us? And how do we seek to have a positive influence on the lives of others? Just like hues vary, so does how we show up as leaders and how we may flex different hues depending on the moment, the task at hand, or the individual or team we're engaging. What hues are you using today and which will you seek to further develop? I'm your host, DJ Menifee, Chief Enrollment Officer at Susquehanna University and also the Chief Impact Officer for Menifee Duarte Consulting Group. And I look forward to diving into our hues of leadership with our guests. As a reminder, Season 1 is focusing on people of influence, specifically those that have had a major impact on my leadership lens and philosophy. So it is quite the blessing to introduce our guest for today. She is the founding principal of Napier Executive Search, now known as NES, a higher education executive search firm that specializes in enrollment management and marketing searches. In addition, her background includes 16 years in enrollment management, nine years with NRCCUA, also known as NCURA now, a year as an interim vice president for enrollment, and the last 12 years working in executive searches in higher education. Let's welcome Mary Napier.
1: Hey, Mary, how are you today? Hi, DJ. So good to be with you today.
0: This is going to be such an exciting show. I'm just so (laughs) excited that uh, our, our schedules aligned, the stars aligned, and I'm just excited for what you have in store to share from your lens and your experience and background with our guests.
1: thanks. It's been fun thinking about this. And um, I I have to start by saying I'm so honored to be part of season one for you. Um, You clearly have have accomplished so much over time. And um, I feel like I knew you when you had a bright future and now you have a bright present and a bright future. So.
0: Well, thank you so much for those those words. And One of the things I'd like to share with the guests, Mary, is is why I wanted you to be a part of the show uh, in season one. And uh, you've impacted my leadership through your approach to guiding enrollment professionals through the executive search process. And that includes me during my journeys uh, over time. And you've been very clear. You've been very direct. uh, You've been very thoughtful. And you've always been timely with your feedback. And, you know, for me, there was never an instance during that time when I, I got a chance to work with you in some of these search experiences. There was never a time where I took anything personal. Like it was always very through kind nature for you. And so your feedback has been very instrumental to me in my career through that lens. And, I, and I'm going to make a big assumption here that that it has been similar for so many that you've been able to help um, place and, and so many that you've helped transition into to new bright opportunities. So I just want to make sure I thank you for that.
1: It's a humbling situation that you're describing. And so thank you for that. Appreciate it.
0: Good. Well, Mary and I had a chance to connect uh, ahead of the show uh, to think through what thought-provoking cues she would want to cover for our audience today. And so I'm excited about the show. We do have three hues for you all. Uh, and without further ado, let's go ahead and get started. So the first few that that Mary wanted to introduce to you all is... Uh, The hue of encouragement. So, so Mary, I'm going to turn the keys over to you. If you would happily walk us through what do you mean by encouragement and how has that shown up in your work, whether it's in relationship to those you've supported in their searches or in relationship to the organization that you've helped found.
1: Fantastic. Thank you for that. So, and I love this thought of hue's because to me, a hue is a spectrum of experiences. But when I think about encouragement and what that has meant for me in higher education today, I feel like there are such huge and high expectations of people. I think that's true of our world in general, but I really think it's true in higher education. And if you go deeper and talk specifically about the world of enrollment management, uh, people who are in leadership roles find themselves in a in a situation where there are many competing priorities. And leaders need to be able to assess and bring those competing priorities together to synthesize them, to be able to understand more about what they are and how to get there. And so part of what we can all do for each other, I think, is encourage people through that journey. We've often, in our organization, thought of ourselves as stewards of the profession. And so we want strength to continue to beget strength in the area. And so encouragement comes in many, many forms. Sometimes it means getting people to see the positives of the situation. We oftentimes frame things that each challenge brings its own opportunity. So that is, uh, that's a one way of being able to show the positives When I think of encouragement to DJ, I think of trying to give people the long view of the situation. As an example, um, oftentimes I get to know someone early in their career and I get to see them pass through a variety of challenges that they're seeing and I get to see them go through some promotions and changes encouragement can come in the in the form of telling people it's okay to take your time and advance through these things in a positive way. In job searches, I think encouragement can sometimes mean breaking away for a second and reminding people that as personal as a job search is, oftentimes it's not a personal decision when someone is not selected to a role, for example. And so I think it's often encouraging for people to hear and to know that they bring specific and strong backgrounds, they bring specific and strong strengths. Um, and even that is not always enough for them to be into, into a role, but it it, it should always feed their souls in great ways. And it should always feed the work that they're doing in great ways.
0: Mary, thank you so much for unpacking that for us, not only in terms of the various ways in which encouragement can show up in the work, and specifically, uh, how your executive firm provides encouragement uh, to potential candidates, to those that you may have built a long-term relationship with just by seeing their evolution through their career. I also want to pull some threads through for the audience, because as a student of the game of sorts, I'm sitting up here taking notes. And, and so one of the pieces that stood out to me was kind of this notion of the reality of our work does come with expectations. Mm. Uh, and so I really appreciate you shedding light on that, because as uh, colleagues who may be listening to this are looking for that next opportunity, whether it's internal or external of making sure that there's clarity around the expectations. And, you know, one of the things I often think of, and it took me a while to get the confidence to do so, is is asking the question, and are these expectations, are these goals realistic through my lens? Uh, Even Mm -hmm. if there's a little bit of a stretch there, at some point, do things feel like they're unattainable, they're unachievable? Um, And what does that mean in terms of how I should consider uh, this role or this opportunity? The other piece that I appreciate you bringing up is, the long view uh, I also referenced it to the long game or when I'm talking to my team, you know, talking about the context of trying to help folks understand that our our work is very long term, like we're trying to put ourselves from a from a strategic enrollment management perspective, we're trying to put ourselves in position to consistently compete to, to meet and exceed enrollment objectives. That's not just about tomorrow. Uh, mm-hmm. Tomorrow is a part of the bigger puzzle, uh, but we wanna make sure that over time we put ourselves in position to compete uh, consistently. Uh, and so I think those pieces stood out. And the last piece, which I really appreciate was the reference to the balance of challenges and opportunity, mm-hmm. right? And, and bringing that to uh, recognition, whether that's within the team that you lead or within uh, in relationship to, you know, job searches. So I appreciate you bringing all of those things to fruition. I guess one of the questions I would like to ask you in relationship to this is, what does it look like for Mary Mm -hmm. in terms of thinking through expectations for yourself um, and maybe expectations for the success of your search firm? Like how do you shape or contribute to shaping those expectations.
1: Right. We are all people who have to think about the context that we serve in. So when I think of how, how we're best able to serve the profession of enrollment or the profession of identifying on behalf of colleges and universities strong candidates for a position that we are thinking about, we have to be tuned in always to what best practices is telling us at that moment. And so we're particularly blessed, I think, to be in constant contact with some of the very best practitioners who are struggling with this every day. And so as as I think about myself further and further from my career as an admission practitioner, I still feel like because of the people I'm able to interact with on a day in and day out basis, I can hear the gradual changes and the seismic shifts that have happened over time. So what pushes me and what pushes our organization is just an ability to really stay tuned in to what is it that's needed in this field today? How are students changing? How are students' families' expectations changing? Um, How are all of those those complicated competing priorities that I mentioned at the outset of talking when you're talking about encouragement, how are those all coming together um, as people think about what comes next? And so I'd be remiss if I didn't think that the work that we're doing um, is inextricably tw- entwined with that movement of higher education and and how people are are responding. But we're also always listening, and this is this is what gets things really exciting from our perspective. We're listening for someone who is willing to lead, someone who is thinking about how. Better to create the processes and the efficiencies and the strengths that are going to um, give really good service to the students that are entrusted to them.
0: Mary, thank you so much for just providing that additional kind of context. And, you know, when you talk about gradual changes, when you talk about seismic shifts within our space. Sometimes those things are maybe technical skills or hard skills. And sometimes they're soft, um, and what I mean by soft is is not as easily measured in the same way as some of the other things like enrollment goals and numbers and revenue. Mm-hmm. And so I think, and me for me, it kind of helps us transition to the second hue that you wanted to talk about because I feel like this piece is is much broader and much bigger. Uh, And much more important in this day and age of our work within enrollment management and marketing um, is this sense of belonging. And so, again, I want to to pass the keys over to you, walk us through what this means uh, Mm -hmm. through your lens, uh, and then unpack that in terms of what that looks like in the day-to-day work.
1: Right. So belonging is something that I've been reflecting on quite a bit. Um, And I I believe that one of the biggest responsibilities of each and every leader is to give each member of their team a sense of belonging. Um, The quicker people belong, the quicker you hear their voices, you see their contributions, you recognize their gifts, the richer your organization becomes. This way of thinking comes from years in leadership roles, definitely in the NES organization today, we try to live this out every day. Um, We meet weekly, we talk consistently with one another, but we meet weekly. And and so we figure out how do we we create an environment where everyone is contributing, um, even if they've just joined the team a minute ago, or if they've been with us since the very start. I always think about the possibility of bringing people in and stressing that they belong to this group of leaders, people who are reaching out, people who are doing that. And I think of that even from my admissions days, frankly. I think about it from days when I was in student government, whether that was in high school or college. Frankly, even think about it with the within the fact that I grew up in an organization I'm one of seven kids um all born within 8 years of one another so we lived in an organization and so everyone being heard and seen and understood makes a difference now I'm I'm not great at it, (laughs) but it's something I strive for every day. So um, I listen, I try to seek out opinions from all. And I think leaders who are serious about making sure that their organization is bigger than just them, always that's always going to be the case. Thanking people for their contributions goes a long way. Recognizing them, giving people credit for what they've done, shouting it out, making sure that it doesn't get that those individual contributions don't get subsumed under the guise of an organization's success. But there are times and places for individuals to garner acknowledgement. And so making sure that that happens. And so belonging comes there. I also think of belonging as as a way of building trust um, as part of the group and as one-on-one. And so there needs to be with belonging, I think, a consistency of message and consistency of understanding people and acknowledging them, whether it's as part of that larger group, that, whether that's five people or 200 people, um, and then also one-on-one. One of the other thoughts I'd thought about in conjunction with these hues is how do you effectively, from a belonging standpoint, you need to effectively introduce people's talents to those outside the circle. Um, So if that means making sure in a search committee setting that you are pointing out, even if you're the person who is the who talks the most in the, in the meeting, that you're recognizing that those ideas have come from others and calling on those others and asking them to offer their particular approach and their particular thoughts, um, their particular contributions. When we belong to a group, we are able to be better than we could possibly be on our own.
0: I ran out of a sheet of paper on this one uh, in terms of my note taking. Uh, Some of the threads that that stood out is kind of this notion of the willingness as a leader or as one of the leaders to provide space and capacity for others to use a voice, have a voice, uh, if that is the way in which they seek to engage, the sense of people feeling heard in a team or an organization and how valuable that is Uh, The other piece is the notion of acknowledgement and recognition, Um, and all of these things, which is interesting, is they all have to come with acknowledging that everybody's different. And so um, how one wants to be heard when they seek to use their voice, what their strengths may or may not be in comparison to someone else, they all vary. And so I think uh, what you've also highlighted within the sense of sense of belonging is this underlying thread of the time commitment that is required for you to spend time getting to know and to engage your people, uh, which isn't always the first thing you go to, depending on how you're wired, uh, nor is it maybe something that you always feel like you have have the time to do. And so, I I very much appreciate you bringing those threads to light. And then the last piece that that stood out to me was just the the notion of how people extend trust, right? And so whether it's a group dynamics or an individual, uh, being mindful of what does it take to feel uh, or or, or fill your team or teammates cup in terms of them building that trust and establishing that rapport. And that again, it's something that varies maybe from teammate to teammate, from direct report to direct report. And so I really appreciate you, you shedding some light on those.
1: Well, you know, DJ, that's, you know, when you think about one of the points that I talked about was building trust as part of the group and one-on-one, and you can't do one without the other. So you need to gather permission. If you're going to turn it over in a meeting to someone, you need to know that they're going to be okay, that they're going to be fine with that. And so often you have to just ask them, Is how are you feeling about that? Is that something you want you'd like to be able to do, um, is that, is this a contribution you'd like to make? Um, And then, and then providing kind of a soft landing so that someone is going to shine as opposed to be put on the spot. And so, you know, thinking about that um, all the time, uh, you're right. It is so time consuming, but it, it's so rewarding. <laughs> so it's so rewarding.
0: Yeah, and and the last piece I'll I'll tie in there before we transition into the third hue is is in the current environment uh, I'm going through uh, listening tours within our division, uh, and and in the moment uh, in this in this first phase it's individual, and so as I'm meeting with them, I'm one giving them the foundation of how this came to be. And also, um, giving them full space. Like, I don't have an agenda. I may have some questions just to get us, you know, engaging with one another. But I really want this time to be for you. And and one of the initial conversations uh, more recently was interesting because we got to a point where we were talking about, you know, how do you like to be acknowledged for your contributions, for your amazing work? And in my mind, I had a sense just from uh, times that we've shared in space. And lo and behold, it was a, it was as I anticipated. They they preferred to be acknowledged and rewarded in private versus in public. And so truly trying to take note of that and and understanding, depending on who it is, some do seek the public acknowledgement and and that rejuvenates them, while others it takes them in the opposite direction because they 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 they're not seeking that. That public spotlight, uh, they just want to know that the people that that they care about most, or that they work more closely with, that that they can see and acknowledge the great work that they're that they're doing. And so, I appreciate you uh, so much and in, in talking about this. If we remember back to one of the things that I kind of acknowledge as far as why I wanted you to be on the show, and and how you've kind of uh, been very supportive. Uh, in that in that way. And again, I assume similarly to others in the profession. I think this ties, in my opinion, as I was thinking about hue number three uh, mm-hmm. closely to that. And so uh, for our our audience, hue number three is uh, this notion of giving honest assessments during times of change. And mm-hmm. so, you know, again, Mary, I'll I'll turn the keys over to you and you can unpack that for our audience, but also how that shows up in your day to day work.
1: Yeah, sure. So honest assessment during an a time of change can be something internal that is happening or something at, at that's external that's happening to you. So if if I'm thinking about sharing news or advice in direct and appropriately designed ways, then I can assist someone in providing room for growth. Um I can offer discussion. I can even help them affect change for themselves. Honesty, the the, the term brutal honesty is not something that you want. You want honesty that is always offered with kindness at its core in my estimation. So um, equally important to sharing information um, is that each person, and I definitely feel like this is something that um, I challenge myself with all the time is how self-aware or how willing am I to make an assessment of my own skills, my own readiness, my own interest, whether that's doing something new, doing the same thing differently, or whether it's to be able to provide opportunities. So um, one of the books that that I enjoy and I I refer to kind of on an ongoing basis is uh, Marjorie Haas's Leadership Guide for Women in Higher Education. One of the things that Marjorie talks about is analyzing your own skill development So Marjorie, for those of you who don't know her, is the current president of the Council of Independent Colleges, and she is a former college president at both Rhodes College and Austin College. So there aren't many people in our world who've been a college president at two places and then uh, the president of of an organization. And she brings a great deal of personal strength. I just love how she keeps coming back to in her book that honest assessment, that self awareness, that listening to people who are trusted sources of the skills that you might have. And, and I'd say that this is particularly when someone is thinking about a change or an advancement or a new role.
0: So, what's really interesting for me, Mary, is I feel as though how multi layered this can actually be. As I'm reflecting on what you're sharing. And so Mm -hmm. as I pull some of the threads out, right, not only is it honest assessment in a time of change, that assessment likely needs to be timely. You also need to, from tying in your thread of self-awareness, if I'm delivering the assessment, I need to be self-aware of how I tend to deliver, how I tend to show up in those conversations and, and how the other person will likely best receive that information. And then the other piece to that is if you're on the alternative side of the conversation and and you're either seeking out honest and timely feedback uh, in a time of either considering a change or a change is about to occur, going back to your self-awareness and self-reflection piece where how how does that person internalize that feedback? How do you spend time thinking critically about that feedback? Because sometimes that feedback can be hard to take, even if it's delivered with the best of intentions, um, whether it's acknowledging a strength while also recognizing um, areas for opportunity uh, within, you know, a growth or sometimes even if it's delivered from a, I think you use the language of brutally honest, right? It's still, if you, you take the time to go through the self the self-reflection phase on that feedback, is it still an instance where, their intentions were good how they delivered it may not have have been the best type of apple pie i was looking for for that day but it still could be something where i take the time to self-reflect and say okay let me actually assess do they do they have a point like is that an area of opportunity for growth and how can i demonstrate to them not only that i was receptive to the feedback that they provided but also that i am intending to work on it and make progress
1: on it well, and that's a that's a fantastic point. Um, because when news is delivered, or when assessments are made, or when observations are made, just in everyday conversation, um, we may or may not be ready for it. Um, I've seen some really talented people pause and say, I appreciate that. And let me get back to you. And that could be somebody who reports to you or someone who is a colleague or someone even that you're managing up with <laughs> you know and that empowerment that each person has and makes with an assessment is is there you have permission you have uh, the opportunity to choose the time and the timing that works um and it's it goes along with the lines of everything can be adjusted, uh, everything can be negotiated, even honest assessments um, when you're thinking about it. So sometimes you, you ask for it and you get it. Other times you ask for it and you get it later. And then other times you ask for it before you're ready. But um, you have permission and should have permission to take that and use it in a way that's going to benefit you at any at any point as well.
0: It made me think through kind of my transition here at Susquehanna and initially trying to communicate in many ways to my enrollment leadership team and direct reports that I was open to feedback. Right. But it's, it's one thing to say it. And it's like if I haven't seen the signals yet, we we haven't established a relationship. Uh, I don't know how comfortable I'm going to be with delivering that. And so I think over time it has been. Amazing to see my enrollment leadership team get to a place where we trust each other. We can deliver that candid, uh, timely, and thoughtful feedback, and trust each other enough to know that it's not coming from a a harmful place, uh, mm-hmm. but a place to to help us improve. And one of the examples that I often think about and laugh about is is you know we have these meetings now virtually, right? We're we're connecting virtually as we speak and. Mm-hmm one of my teammates is very timely sometimes even proactively speaking when they have a sense where my face is going to show how i feel in certain conversations in certain contexts <laughs> and so you know sometimes we'll be in a conversation with you know either a partner across campus or partners uh, externally And maybe there's a topic or something is said that I don't quite agree with. And the first place that shows up is visually on my face. And so she'll literally send a note and they'll say, Hey, check, check your face. Um, (laughs) And I've gotten to a point where I really appreciate that because in the moment, I'm not always aware. And so as soon as I see it, like, I'm like, Hey, thank you. And I'll try to, you know, regroup, readjust. And I just feel like when I first got here, that wasn't something that was possible. Uh, They wouldn't have felt comfortable delivering that to me. And now it's like, yes, like I I appreciate it. I I know I can trust you to to hold me accountable. And I very much value that.
1: It's fantastic. That's a great example of it.
0: (laughs) So listen, we've had the chance to navigate the wisdom that Mary has brought to us today through encouragement, through a sense of belonging, and in providing honest assessments in times of change. And so, as we get closer to, to transitioning into the conclusion of this episode, you know, Mary, one of the questions I'd like to end with is, upon or through your leadership journey, either a, uh, more recently, have you been exposed to some new framework or aspect of leadership that you you hadn't quite been exposed to yet, but you're trying to harness, or b, is there a hue of sorts that while you've been in leadership for quite a time, it still is something that you're frequently working on trying to build the competency in, uh, but see it sometimes either as a weakness or area of opportunity for you, even in this phase of, of your leadership journey.
1: Hmm. Uh, I'm going to have to go with it's a, an opportunity that continues to be uh, needs to be developed all the time. And, you know, when um when we were preparing to have our conversation today and you posed those that important question i think uh, the very first thing that came to my mind is that as a leader as a worker as a as somebody who um provides tries to provide value day in and day out i try to squeeze in too many things in a given day and when i think about that I always feel like there's at least one more thing. There's there's one more thing on my list that I could possibly work on. There's one more situation that continue to bend and shape, and you know, see if that will work us toward a a better solution on something. And sometimes I just need to let it go. I just need to not be in that kind of overachieving no mode. Um, because you know why I've got people who I, (laughs) who are, are encouraging to me and I've encouraged them. I feel like I belong to some, a really great profession. Um, and I've got people who will honestly assess and say, uh, you know, (laughs) you're trying to do too much in a given moment. And so let's just back off a little bit and it'll be okay. Um, and we will, and and there will be ways and time and opportunity to resolve not all the problems of the world, but as many as we could possibly get to in a single day. So that's, that's, I guess, what what came to mind, DJ. I appreciate <laughs> you very sense.
0: sharing that. And I think in, in some way, shape or form, that not only do I resonate with that, but I, I would assume some members of the audience would as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I struggle with saying no. Mm-hmm. I, I have kind of a process that I go through. And in terms of thinking through, is, is, this, is it ethical? Uh, is it something that I either already know how to do or would benefit from learning how to do and it can benefit my team and my organization in the long term? As I'm working through all these things, if I go through it quickly and it works with the family dynamic, I'm, I'm likely leading into yes. And sometimes it can become unmanageable and, you know, thinking through whether it's been in the literature or some of my mentors challenging me to say, you know what? It's it's OK to say no, either in terms of it, it will be there tomorrow
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, or in terms of, of thinking about timing and seasons. Like, you know, if that's something that you aspire to do, is it something that has to happen in this season of life or is it something that can happen in an alternative season when some of the other things that you're responsible for can adjust? And so I I truly appreciate you bringing that to light, not only in terms of acknowledging what that has been like for you, but more importantly, acknowledging that you've got a, a support team, a support network of people that truly care about you that are willing to encourage you. Uh, willing to remind you that you belong to something much greater than yourself and also willing to give you the honest assessment of of that. And so I, I just appreciate you you sharing that lens with our audience today.
1: <laughs> I love it. Well, DJ, what a joy this has been. I'm so grateful for um, again for the invitation and just the oppor- opportunity to have this conversation with you.
0: Well, listen, Mary, I want to make sure again that I extend flowers to you in terms of of what you've meant again to my journey. I this morning was thinking through um, one of our first interactions where I was interviewing for a position and I was in person and you came out and you saw me with my backpack and you're like, all right, come here. (laughs) And it was it was very supportive in nature. But you've always been that uh, in any other search that I've been blessed to have the opportunity to be a part of. And I I look forward to those in the profession, obviously, that navigate any search, any opportunity for transformation and growth uh, in their career trajectories and whichever search firm that they work with. Um, But as they have those opportunities, if a position they're considering should uh, be be managed and coordinated by your team, uh, I I fully know that they will be in great hands uh, in terms of. The feedback, in terms of the support, in terms of the preparation, and in terms of of the transparency, but also balancing the challenges with the opportunity. So, so thank you so much for what you do for our space.
1: Well, thank you. I appreciate it.
0: All right, to our our audience, as you transition to work or home from work, as you head into lunch, or you're transitioning in between meetings, as you transition in a professional development time you have for yourself, whether it's each day or each week. And as you were transitioning between the time that is specific for work and the time that you're trying to transition to for yourself and your loved ones, let's reflect on and consider incorporating these hues in our lives. Thanks for tuning in to the Hues of Leadership podcast. And remember to ask yourself, what hues will I use today and which will I seek to further develop? Thank you.